This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Nadia Muller, founder and CEO of iThrive. Thriving means that people are strong, they are successful, they are healthy, they are in balance. And the idea is to help people to move towards secure attachment, towards that thriving, towards the balance. When you look at longitudinal studies, um, that have been studying people for like a long time, seeing how they're changing their behavior. It is like this, that actually only 10% of the time we succeed on our own. People that were able to succeed, they had either a coach or a supportive partner, or they had a mentor or something else that was a really strong supporting figure in their life. And that's, that's basically what we are aiming to do with Gene and doing it on a really low entry barrier sure. uh, way. It's everywhere available, 24 seven, it doesn't cost much. And then when you look at the other side, when an employee is happy, less sick leave, the productivity goes up, it has a positive effect on the entire team, which again inspires you know, higher productivity as well. It's just amazing what happens in an organization when you have thriving people. This is Nadia. She's the CEO and co-founder of iThrive, a personal coach on your smartphone that helps you to transform counterproductive habits in order to thrive. It's a common fact, healthy and happy people are generally more productive, but many people still experience stress and burnout issues. This is what iThrive is designed to transform, and doing so, it promises to increase productivity at work by 400%. And this triggered me, hence I invited Nadia to my podcast. We explore what it means to make people thrive and how technology can play a fundamental role in that transformation. We thereby discuss what is required to win the hearts of the user by creating a solution they trust and actually want to use on a day-to-day -day basis. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, that a strong way to grow adoption of your solutions is to understand what makes the user tick, i.e. what motivates them. Secondly, how real value can be created by not just focusing on getting things fixed, but to actually focus on changing the underlying behaviors that caused the issue in the first place. Thirdly, that your business gets really convincing for a customer when you're able to convince them about the upside your solution will bring beyond the notion of just cost reduction. To get started with the podcast, Nadia, can you introduce yourself and give a little background to the audience 
about who you are, what you've been doing so far, and, and why you ended up creating iThrive. Well, thanks for the question. And it's always hard to keep it short, so I'm trying to do that. Well, so as I said before, I'm born in South Africa. I'm Austrian by nationality, and it's actually my third time in the Netherlands. And to the confusion above all, I married a Dutchman. So that's why I have a Dutch-sounding name, and people think I speak Dutch. I used to work in the oil and gas industry, and that was also why I came three times to the Netherlands, part of this job, and also why I worked in Africa and everywhere else. And I was in engineering. And I worked on, in research on green projects, trying to change the system from within. And as we know, systems react more or less allergic to change. They don't like it. We people don't like change, actually. And I've been working on technology and just, you know, working on climate change mitigation. And I see the solution is already there. The technology is there. Why is it not being used? So that's when my focus kind of shifted away from engineering towards people and psychology and neuroscience and all that really fascinating stuff that goes on in our heads. I guess it added to it that I become a mom and uh, that also puts you on a kind of personal development path. And at some point I decided this is not what I want to do anymore. I want to find out what makes people tick, what motivates them, what makes them to become their best selves basically. And then I stopped and I became a psychologist, certified professional coach and started coaching people. And I realized I'm just one person and I can only help so many people. We need to have something where we can help people on a really large scale basis. And this is where the idea of iThrive was born. Okay. Interesting story. So... Talking about iThrive and the, and the application or the, the, the solution that you created, what is the big idea behind it? <laughs> that will sound more like an answer that you've heard from beauty queens, world peace, that's actually what's behind it. But I mean it, in a, I mean it actually, truly, because I believe that world peace is possible when we come to peace within ourselves. So that means resolving our internal blockages, our internal things that are standing in our way in resolving the internal conflicts. And yeah, that's, that's what it's about. It's about finding out, you know, what is it that is really important to you? Find out what is standing in your way and what are you good at? And really moving towards that positive part and embracing the things that are standing in your way and and resolving them. Okay. So how does it actually work? How does it, I mean, if I would use it myself, I mean, what would I see? What would I do? Well, you would, uh, for now, get on Skype. <laughs> and on Skype, you would need Gene. That's the chatbot. And you will start having chats with Gene. So written chats at the moment. And you start engaging in conversations, in coaching conversations. Gene will ask you a lot of questions about how you see the world, how you perceive the world. And then based on that, what you say, Gene will start responding and giving you ideas or doing, bringing new things into your perspective that help you to yeah, find out what is important to you, what's standing in your way, and what you're really good at. That's cool. So you can actually use this on a personal level, but also, of course, on a, on a business level. Yeah. But in, in reality, it's a very individual tool. 
because it's it's for the individual itself to use. We're working on bringing this to companies because we can see that companies will benefit a lot from having a digital behavior change training that is on a personal level with the focus on trying to prevent stress and burnout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So how does it, I mean, is it, how does it become clever? How, I mean, how, how, how will people start to believe that this is really my coach? And will it, will it learn from you? I mean, will it adapt to your, well, to your, how you respond? Yes. So absolutely. Based on the input that you give, Gene will respond to you and will also basically bring back things that you said yourself. So we'll say, hang on a minute. In the previous conversation, you said this and this. How does this work with what you're saying right now? Okay. So, I mean, is it, I've been talking to a number of other people on the, on the podcast and they also use all the, all the insights and the knowledge from thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of other events and conversations. And is this how the, the product works as well? Or is it really on an individual basis? It's, it's organized around that. Mm-hmm. So how it works is most of it's scripted. So these are, it, you could say it's a blueprint of my brain and it's uh-huh. a blueprint of my colleague, Dennis, who's also a coach. So we know how certain conversations go and then based on certain keywords, we go down different paths, if you want. Understand. Yeah. And this is exactly how we translated it into the chatbot. So we listen to certain keywords and then it will trigger a different kind of intervention than you would say another keyword. And the AI which which we use at this moment is IBM Watson. And that's basically there to deepen the rapport. So to play back saying, I'm sensing here or I'm hearing that you're sad. Tell me more about this to go deeper into certain emotions, to be able to really deepen the rapport with the individual user. That's what it's about. Then we have an algorithm that runs in the back, and that is the real deep research of it, which is connected to attachment theory. So what attachment theory actually, or let's say, step back, what I-Thrive stands for, what thriving actually stands for. Thriving means that people are strong, they're successful, they're healthy, they're in balance. They can say, I'm okay, and you, the world, and other people, you're okay too. When you're in this place, then yeah, then you're thriving, basically. And, and that's actually also, in attachment theory, what's called secure attachment. And so, in reality, though, we are all not 100% secure attached. We are all somewhere playing a little bit in a different sure. field, you know, where we tend to avoid situations where we are maybe anxious, where we don't either trust others or trust ourselves. And the idea is to help people to move towards secure attachment, towards that thriving, towards the balance. And that's basically the deep algorithm that is underneath and that will take basically years to, to perfect. At the moment, it's like this that we go by that we analyze the data and see which fields people are playing in and then try to deliver interventions that will help them to become more stable. And then over time, we are perfecting that algorithm. 
Yeah, because it's learning all the time, of course. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, and then, like you said, in the world of, I mean, the world we live in these days, both privately and, of course, on the business level, it's changing so fast. And also, when people want to become a better version, you know, you have to kind of go out of your comfort zone, which is always bringing, well, new fears and new new insecurities. Yes. This is then, like, yeah, your your personal mentor that's, that gets you there. Correct? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And the real big vision that is actually behind it, we actually started originally with virtual reality before we got into, you know, chatbots and artificial intelligence and all that. Yeah. Because the difficulty is it's already incredibly hard to change behavior just by ourselves. Sure. But we are always part of a system and the system will give pushback. So let's say at work or even at home, if I, Nadia, start changing, my husband doesn't like it very much because, you know, he married Nadia. Why is this woman changing? I don't want her to change. So in reality, it's like this, that whenever we change, we don't only have to deal with our own, you know, blockages, habits that are standing in the way, but also with our system. And so the vision, you know, 10 years from now, is the life simulator. So you can go into a virtual reality where you have virtual intelligent agents that are, for example, representing your team. Let's say you want to start changing something at work. Yeah. So you can start a simulation where you say, okay, I have a specific avatar that is my boss. And then I have a specific avatar that is my colleague. And then you program for certain characteristics and then you basically press play on the, on the simulation and you go into a meeting and you do a new behavior. Let's see, you've been very quiet always in meetings and suddenly you start speaking up. How yeah. will they respond to it? Yeah. So that's the, that's the ultimate vision of where we want to be in 10 years from now. Yeah, I think it, it comes at the right moment. You know, it's, there's, there's, there's so many things possible these days. And it, there's a real, I would say, a real need for this. Is there any research, by the way, that backs up your idea in terms of the need for it? I mean, yes. So, I mean, the behavior change. When you look at longitudinal studies um, that have been studying people for like a long time, seeing how they're changing their behavior, it is like this that actually only 10% of the time we succeed on our own. Yeah, true. So whenever we start new behavior, and then you always need a lot of help. People that were able to succeed, they had either a coach or a supportive partner or they had a mentor or something else that was a really strong supporting figure in their life. And that's, that's basically what we are aiming to do with Gene and doing it on a really low entry barrier uh, way. It's everywhere available, 24-7. It doesn't cost much. You pay 10 euros per user per month compared to a coach that costs you baby 200 euros per session. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it also that that low barrier is going to make a difference as well. Because, I mean, the way you describe it and I, the, way, so the way I see it as well, it's actually a luxury to have someone available as a mentor that, that where you can get advice and get to the next level and, and bounce things off. Mm-hmm. And, that, and someone that keeps you, keeps you honest with yourself in terms of you know, going after your goals and actually doing it. Because it's pretty easy to, to push things off your agenda because there's other things happening during the day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Yeah. So, so from the aha moment to, to where you are right now, well, first of all, what, what sparked the idea? Was there a certain conversation, a moment where you said, you know, and now it's, now it's the time to do it? Yes. I went to a meetup about virtual reality and psychology. Okay. And that kind of really opened my eyes to like the possibilities that are possible. And I was trying out a very simple application, if you like, it was for, for fear of spiders. And in that virtual reality, it was, a, it was a model and it wasn't a beautiful model. You know, it wasn't like Pixar quality, Disney movie like, but just normal crude, you know, model. And when the spider dropped on the table, my reaction was full blast on. You know, I had to take down the gear because the spider was there and I was scared, you know. And that basically showed me the power of virtual reality. And then I thought, okay, we have to go in there and we need to do this now, basically. Yeah. But what we found out in that journey is that technology is not that far yet. It's even if you, you know, even if you take a tethered device, you know, uh, where you have VR goggles that are connected to a powerful workstation and try to run a simulation, it doesn't, it's not possible yet. It's just simply not possible yet. And that's where we did so two pivots. Why is it not possible? Now, because the, the computing power is not there and also the ability to, to model something like with these virtual intelligent agents, yeah. We have to A, wait for the gaming studios to catch up and come to that quality that we need in order to convince ourselves it's real. Yeah. And the other part is also the artificial intelligence. It doesn't matter who has started with it. We are just at the beginning with it. And in order to run something complex as a full simulation, yeah, technology is simply not there yet. Yeah, it's going fast, but it's not there yet. And I heard it, I heard it a couple of times now yeah. in other interviews. So, and that's why we did this pivot. You know, That's why we went away from that and said, all right, let's try an app. And then based on user tests where we had a chat element in the app, we got so good feedback that's that we said, okay, that's where we have to go to. Yeah, and then gradually move on to the full vision. Yeah. So the, the app is available. Or mm -hmm. actually, I think it's actually hosted inside Skype, right? Could At the moment, absolutely, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. So what did you do to, to stay on, on the journey and to, to, to make it really remarkable? Were there any hard choices that you needed to make? Has the idea evolved yeah, from, from what you originally wanted to, wanted to achieve beyond the fact that virtual reality was, one, was something that you wanted to achieve? Yeah, so there were a couple of things where we learned. So one of all, as a one important one was when we really started talking, for example, to hospitals and looking into the research of many of these lifestyle diseases that we see nowadays, like oh, yeah. obesity and diabetes. Yeah. The behavior change or the need for an effective behavior change solution is so huge because these are all... This is like an avalanche that's coming towards us. It's, it's really important that we have something that is available that people can use on a daily basis. So it has to be something that is on a smartphone. True. So that's a choice that we made very early on. It has to be on a smartphone. It's not going to be of use if it's something that is special that you can only run on workstations where you need some expensive gears for it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So with that, and as I said, the hard choice that you mentioned was when we got the feedback from the users saying, you know what, the app is nice, but what we really love is the chat, to really say, okay, we take our heart in the hands, we go and make a pivot and make a chatbot, because in terms of software development, we had to really start from scratch again. Uh -huh. 
So, and to take that step and that risk and, you know, we had to hire copywriters and because it's all conversations and decision trees that you need to write out. So a very important part were copywriters to get professional coaches on, on it. And of course, as a software developers as well, to get these conversations in and the complexity and dealing with any kind of possible answers you can deal with. And I have to say, I'm really proud of what we have achieved. The, the team has been amazing. Within like basically half a year, we were able to create an amazing product. Wow, that's good. I mean, and that's also, of course, yeah, it's, it's relatively because it's so easy to embrace because it's it's a chatbot, it's, yeah. it's hosting a Skype. I mean, you can easily reach a, a large group of, of people that are actually using it, and and from there get the feedback. Yeah, that really helps these days. Yeah, and the user feedback that we get is just yeah, it's it's gold. It's just fantastic, you know. Every week we get feedback, and we are perfecting the conversations, little things that can run better. Mostly, most of the time, it's all about rapport. It's about deepening that relationship, the empathetic relationship between the chatbot and the user. Yeah, that's a really important one. Yeah, there's machine empathy. It's as weird as it sounds, but it's possible. No, it, that is critical because otherwise, it, yeah, it won't feel real. Yeah. And you want it to, to feel like, like someone on the other side that is actually real. Yes. Uh, and once that is happening, when you forget about it, that, then it takes off. So have you already re- reached your, yeah, kind of a, a moment, your pivot moment, your, 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 the catalyst that, that yeah, spurs growth of the application? Not yet. We are we're working hard on, well, not so hard, actually. I mean, we are being successful with getting good leads with, with companies in, and, but it always takes time. And that's one thing that we just need to take into account. It takes time. Because you need to move through the organizational levels and every time you have a conversation, you need to close every single time. <laughs> of course. So what is the value proposition for a business? Why would they invest in this? Well, they get the value proposition. Let's say if, if the business case is you want to prevent stress and you want to prevent burnout, it's a very straightforward calculation. In average, burnout costs you something like 60000 Yeah. And if you have an organization, let's say, of 5,400 people and you buy a yearly license of iThrive for like 180,000, you get it. You get to your break-even point if you prevented three burnouts in the organization. And in reality, it's actually one out of six employees burns out. Uh-huh. So the business case is very clear and very evident. And beyond burnout, because burnout at the end is a negative thing. Is it also, have you also seen examples whereby people actually start to start to deliver better results? Yeah. So, so what you have, what you, what you also start seeing is that productivity basically increases. Yeah. You have less safety incidents, especially in hospitals. It's particularly related to patient safety incidents. That, that is when you say your people are going to thriving. And there's a very clear measurement that we also do with the chatbot and the tracking. When people are going to thriving, you get like 37% less safety incidents and your productivity goes up to like 20%. Well, that, that is, I mean, for me, that's the business case, not, not the, the... The burnout. The burnout is, a, is sort of a nice byproduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end, that's, that's, what's, that's why I w- what I would advise it well, to any company because it, it helps you to get... Yeah, to really 
kind of invest in your in human capital because at the end for for most companies human capital is is the differentiation factor of a company absolutely and the interesting thing is when you look at the hr industry actually yeah. is that you see a lot of money is invested into recruitment because the need is very urgent you don't have enough people in order to make it happen and there's lots of stuff going on lots of different tests lot of different ways of testing people and shortening the recruitment process and the weird thing is that once a person is onboarded it suddenly drops yeah. and it's more or less really up to you know the individual manager to make sure that the person is properly onboarded and then when they are onboarded to make sure that the, that the employee is happy and productive. True. And that is, is something, yeah, there is a huge, and that's where the biggest costs are basically because losing an employee again through turnover or when it's less productive or sick leave and everything, it costs so much money. Yeah. And then when you look at the other side, when an employee is happy, less sick leave, the productivity goes up, it has a positive effect on the entire team, which again inspires, you know, higher productivity. So you, it's just amazing what happens in an organization when you have thriving people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I completely agree with that. That's also re the reason why I started the podcast in the first place, because I mean, you can use artificial intelligence and bot technology in order to automate things out and get people out of the process. But once you start to have to augment them with with knowledge and insights and yeah, in coaching to really make them, you can really make them do things that they could never do before. Yeah. This is a perfect example of that. It is because you would not be able to have a company-wide deployment of coaching. It's just you couldn't no. afford it. No, of course So Because, yeah, you would have to spend per month 400 euros. And now with this solution, you spend about 10 euros per month. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting and fascinating at the same time. So getting to the the bottom half of the hour and closing out what are you most proud of i mean what are your anecdotes have you have you found from customers or users that yeah, made you smile i guess in particularly a chronic a chronic pain user who has said it made such a difference in his life to have this kind of companion and dealing with the, all the challenges that a, that a chronic pain patient is experiencing about trying to get back to normal life, trying to forget about that they're ill, and then an appointment is coming up and the whole world starts turning upside down again. And dealing with these setbacks and then also feeling always like that they're a burden for the environment. And then getting the kind of feedback how Jean has turned out into an amazing companion for this person and, and helping this person to ground and constantly reflect on their self-worth. And, you know, despite the fact that they are ill, that they're still amazingly worthy. Yeah, it's the most touching story, I think, that we have. Yeah, Definitely. That's, these are always ones that, yeah, that stick with you. You can yeah. see it in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so out of what you've learned so far, First of all, going back well, to someone in the business world that's looking at how to increase productivity or how to increase competitiveness of the company, mm -hmm. what would you advise a CEO of a company to, to do different with respect to yeah, how they approach yeah, getting, getting their people more productive? I think to me, the key is always vulnerability and transparency yeah. to everything, to everything related to human. I think a lot of... Companies are very good in, in sending messages. 
and telling what they need from the employee. And that's also a feedback that we got from one of the users where they said that they saw an amazing change because the whole group started using it, including their team leader, yeah. and how they could starting to see that they had much more honest conversations, much more transparency, really? and particularly, and particularly the question in return from the team leader, what can I do for you? What is it that you need? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I Funny, think this, yeah. this is it. I think this is where the direction needs to go. The question to the employees, what is it that you need? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very simple question. It's often forgotten. Yeah, because people are afraid of the consequences because if you ask them, you also have to follow up on it. True. And it might not be easy to follow up on it. Exactly. Because it would require to maybe show yourself vulnerable as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A lot of potential there. I mean, if you look at it from the, from the software side, for me, you know, being an entrepreneur that is creating yeah, technology solutions, I'm not sure whether you've done that before. You've typically, what I've learned in the beginning of the call, you came from the, from the engineering space, oil and gas. But what would you advise a software company to, to do in, in order to create a better impact with yeah, solutions? The approach to, to working with users in order to get the, the best possible uh, impact for them. I think it doesn't differ much from what I just said before. It's getting, getting, finding enticing ways to get feedback and to get into a dialogue with the user. And an enticing way in the way that it's not a survey that you get in your email, but a different way where you basically really create value out of just having a quick conversation with them. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's a valuable one. Because we often, often, too, we often ask, what do you need? And then that question is turned into the wrong thing. And they start to talk about the specification rather than what they really need in order to thrive. Absolutely. You know, coming back to also what, what Simon said with the golden circle. Yeah. If you're able to define your why and you can communicate that why and also ask for the why in your users, I think then you have gold in your hands. Fantastic quote. <laughs> so, so what is your greatest aspiration? What is next? Well, actually, my greatest aspiration is very simple. I want to get iThrive to a place where people start using it on a real large scale and going to the live simulator. But most of all, I want for my daughter to be happy. So it's more work at home, actually. That's my biggest aspiration at the moment than iThrive. <laughs> <laughs> iThrive goes in parallel. But the happiness of my daughter is really something that is at my heart. Yeah, well, that's where the balance needs to be. And I think everybody can agree with that. Yeah. So if, if there's anything you could ask the audience, what would it be? What's your big ask? To take time to find out what is really important to them. Yeah. And then out of that, start think, thinking, what can you do with something like our services? And this is something that you could need or something that you know could need. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. So where can people go to find out more about you, about your company, and to connect with you, say hello? Right. So easiest thing is the website, of course, which is www.ithrive.nl. And my email address is also free for people to contact me is gene at ithrive.nl. 
Okay. That, that reminds me of something because of the dot and L part. Is it only in Dutch or is it also in English? At the moment, it's in Dutch. And if the right business case comes along, we are going to translate. We really want to localize. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. Thank you very much, Nadia. This was uh, fascinating. It inspired me and I think it will uh, inspire a lot of other people. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, and that's glad I did. So talk soon. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Nadia Muller, founder and CEO of iThrive. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.